Ron. There we go. Uh, there we go. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Welcome to the Storm Experience, the Storm on Discord, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Connection. Connection. I think my colored roots came out there. Um, connection. This is Connection. And we're connecting. We can I'm going to leave that in. Uh, editor, make sure you leave that in. And for those of you that follow the videos, you know the editor is me. Uh, so this is Connection, episode one, where we connect with people. And today is a bit special because we're connecting with Manchester United fans. I don't really want to do this, but... Mikel is a cool guy, so don't judge him on his bad choice of supporting a club. And you can see I'm wearing this Springbok jersey. For those on Spotify, go over to YouTube. Um, yeah, Peter, I'm with you. So if you guys see the link down below, let's do a stream. I uh, put up a challenge that we get to 200 views in about seven days and the challenge is still on so will you accept the challenge now that intro has been going for far too long and i was i meant to say that connection is comedy chill out just a little bit more sparkly yeah you won't see anything more sparkly since twilight so, Mikael Kunica, you support Manchester United. And yes, I do. This should be a fun one. This should be a fun one only because that I can say for this whole season that we've been in the Champions League and Manchester United, United have not been. So, I'll have that over you for the next 30 minutes or so. But anyway. Let's start off with this. Uh, are, you, are you happy with the season? Well, I'm going to firstly say you're out of the UEFA Champions League. You finished fourth, a position below us, um, and you were beaten by Arsenal of all teams in the FA Cup final. Peter, they. They just don't want to let you go. They know you support Arsenal as well, and they put another dig on you. It's not enough. They said you have no mass. Uh, so, okay. You mentioned everything about Chelsea. Now, are you happy with Manchester United this year? Not the first half. I think the first five months was very, very difficult. Um, and I first, obviously, I'm going to clarify. I am still of the opinion Manchester United are not close to winning a league title again. Uh, we still have a lot of work to do. 
Um, we've been in shambles for the first six years after Alex Ferguson retired. So I'm not going to be delusional. I think top four finish was reasonably fair. Reaching the semi-finals of the English Football League Cup or the Carabao Cup, as it's called now, I yep. think it's fair. I'm not too happy about the loss to Manchester City, but in the end of the day, it was, I think, a semi-final was good. Um, I'm not very, very impressed with the FA Cup semi-final loss to Chelsea. She did win. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I was going to mention that. I was going to um, ask you if you didn't mention it. So the thing yeah, that upset I'm... me, the thing that upset me about that game was Oligana Solskjaer wrong formation. It was a he used the formation we used before we got Bruno Fernandes. It's not a formation yeah. that flatters Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Five at the back does not work if you have Bruno in midfield. You have to play a four-three-three with Bruno. And secondly, David De Gea was absolutely terrible. The first two goals are goals, nothing can change that. But those, both those goals that Chelsea scored, De Gea should have saved. Those are training ground shots. Those are the shots I'm, you use to warm up a keeper. And I'm, he glad, I'm glad you're highlighting goalkeeper because I have a similar problem with my goalkeeper. Um, so, unfortunately for Spain, their number one is just who's less, worse off than the other. No, we discussed it. No, we discussed that in our last podcast. I think, I will stand by this, I think Kepa is a very, very talented goalkeeper with, who's great with his feet. He's in his own head too much. His ego and his attitude is his downfall. He's not a bad goalkeeper. He's got a bad attitude. There's a difference. Um, okay, I'll, is I'll he going to? Is he going I to will... have the? Yeah. Sorry, I don't think Kepa at his best will still be five to ten percent short of Peter Cech at his best. But oh, yeah, I yeah. think, I think. Kepa, if he gets his head straight and learns a bit of humility, I think he's an absolutely brilliant goalkeeper. I think he has all the raw materials. But he doesn't like to be benched. He does it or no, let's rephrase. It doesn't suit him to be benched. It doesn't suit him to be left out for a game. Um, that's the problem. Willie Caballero is a better penalty shootout goalkeeper. Um, and he is a better knockout tournament goalkeeper. Um, it's not That doesn't mean Kepa is bad. It just means you have a goalkeeper that specializes in league football and you have a goalkeeper that specializes in tournament football. Manchester United have been doing it the past three years, four years. Yeah. Sergio Romero yeah. is, on, is our cup guy and he does great in cups. And David De Gea, until the, apart from the last 18 months, is our league guy. And it's a system that works. So I think Kepa is a very good goalkeeper and very much does deserve to be in the Spanish national team. 
but his attitude is stopping him from growing and improving. David De Gea, I don't know what went wrong. I don't. I can't figure out what has happened the last 18 months. I do not know, obviously, if it's a personal issue he has at home, if there's a family member that's passed away recently that has his form. Um, you can't argue about the manager because a goalkeeper is one of the few players that saving shots on target is not really supposed to be affected by your manager. So I don't yeah. think it's an Oli problem either. Somewhere yeah. there's a psychological block. Now, I said it when we spoke last time. Okay, last time we actually spoke. We actually just spoke general, about mental, mental yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's my opinion. I think Kepa, I think Kepa on his best day with a good, humble attitude can be a great servant to Chelsea. I think David De Gea has been a great servant to Manchester United, but there's a stumbling block that he just can't get over. And unfortunately, there comes a point where you can either support a player until he works through it, which you should. Um, But there's also a point where if the player doesn't make enough effort to get over that obstacle himself, because at the end of the day, as with all people, only you can get over your own problems. There's a point where you go, okay, we might need to sell it. We did it with Ravel Morrison. Ravel Morrison was, according to Sir Alex Ferguson, the greatest midfielder he's ever seen come through the youth ranks. And, but he's ill-disciplined, he partied and drank, he dropped through football leagues like it was nothing. He ended up playing at the back end of Mexican Premier League football, and he's essentially a reserve for Sheffield United at the moment. Sheffield United is not a bad team, but going from being the best midfielder Sir Alex Ferguson's ever seen to being on the substitute bench for Sheffield United... That's a fall from grace. That's yeah. a big fall from grace. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing so. And remember, he was with Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard in the Oleganis Solskjaer youth team that won the Youth FA Cup. Um, there's no, There's only so much so Alex Ferguson could do. There's only so much Oleganis Solskjaer could have done. There's only so much Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard as teammates could have done. It's still an individual issue that needs to be resolved and sorted out. And I think David Ayer also has, he needs this. Support him where you can, but you need to get over it. Because there's going to be a point where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer goes, you're not worth it. I'm going to keep Dean Henderson and put him in number one in goal. Um, so that is, that needs to be done. I don't want to sell De Gea. I think David Ayer, I think at the moment, is he our record? He's in the Premier League our most featured goalkeeper in the Premier League yeah. era. Yeah. And I think he has broken Peter Schmeichel's clean sheets. I think. Or Aindwood Vanessa's one of the two. So he's had a good run and he could possibly still he's only twenty nine. He still hasn't peaked. Goalkeepers peak at 32, 33. Yeah. Um and for example Jean Luigi Buffon is forty one and he's still playing Serie A football for Juventus. Obviously, on and off, he's not first choice, yeah, but he yeah, still yeah, gets yeah, game yeah. time. Um, if it weren't for the it's heart hard. attack, I th- if it weren't uh, for the heart Casillas. attack, I think Ike Casillas would probably still have another two years in him at Porto. Um, yeah. So it is. It is a bit. 
a bit difficult. Um, but to get back to your question, am I happy with Manchester United season? If I look at the first half and the second half, I think I'll be pretty neutral. Um, I believe we could have done better against Manchester City in the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup because we have beaten Man City more than once this season. I think it should have been another opportunity to do so. Um, I'm really putting down the FA Cup loss to formation and David De Gea's mistakes. I'm going to be honest, I think if Sergio Romero actually played that game, we would have won. Because once you got those two goals in, sh in, in, in short succession behind one another, the morale was just completely tanked. And rightfully so. But a win is a win. You can't turn the clock back. I'm happy with third. Okay. I say I'm happy with third, but on the other hand, it's been a weird season. Yeah, it has been. Um, apart from Liverpool, all other 19 teams underperformed. Chelsea performed not great. Man United didn't perform great. Tottenham didn't perform great. Everton underperformed. Um, yeah, definitely. Leicester City. Leicester City was definitely supposed to finish second, but they lost momentum. So yes, in general, yeah, third place in the Barclays Premier League, Champions League next season. Yes, I'm happy. Okay, UEFA Europa then, League. Yeah, mm, I'm scared of Sevilla. I'm very, very scared of Sevilla because they specialize in Europa League. <laughs> Um, and at this point, I'd like to say good evening to everybody at night, seeing this at night, listening to this at night. Uh, shout out to Unai Emery. Uh, some college in Cape Town would call him Unai, yeah. And yeah, uh, so would you say that Terry Maguire justified? His price tag this season? Mm, not this season. I think he'll justify it next season. Not this season. And I don't think it's Paul, I don't think it's all his fault. He's played basically every game. Yeah. And he was given the captain's armband after three months at the club. It's a yeah. lot of pressure. And I'm not saying Leicester City has proven they're not a bad team, but there's still a lot more pressure at a, at a club like Manchester United compared to a club at Leicester City. Yeah. Leicester City have shown they can perform, but you are still surprised when they do. Yeah. Where at Manchester yeah, yeah. United, you expected to perform right off the bat. You're not supposed yeah. to have a, a, a bleeding in period. You're not supposed to. Yeah. Um, but I think in general, he's been good. The only thing, the only fault I really have with him is this lack of headers in the box when it comes to corners and free kicks. We bought him, apart from being a good defender and being a leader and being young and having potential, we bought him because we needed a Virgil van Dijk in the box. Yeah. And at Hull City, he was very good at it, and Leicester City, he was very good at it. Now, the first half of the season, we didn't have Bruno Fernandes, so our corners were very crap. So you can go, okay. 
The first five months of the season, if you don't get a header in on target, I can understand because Andreas Pereira is not meant to put a cross in. I understand <laughs> that. But you've had, you've essentially had, if you put everything together, you've had five months of Fernandez putting in on the button corners. Yeah. Yeah. And he's scored, I think, two headers. So yeah. that definitely needs to be improved. I don't really have a problem with his defending. Obviously, everything you can always polish and improve. But in general, yeah. as a centre-back, I am happy with how he plays. Um, but I do think he's, he's headers on goals from, from set pieces. He definitely needs to improve. Um, but I've got a gut feeling next season, the same way Fred showed last season in the beginning of this season why he was 55 million pounds or 53 million pounds because Fred is a bloody good player but he you couldn't he couldn't show it in the first season I think Harry Maguire will justify that price tag yeah next season I don't think um it will work this season he's had he can definitely say he's had an impact he's had a positive impact and on the one hand, we need a fast left-footed centre-back. But on the other half, on the other hand, he works so well with Victor Lindelof. I think yeah. it is a smart pairing. The sad thing is both of them aren't fast, though. So that you keep on, you basically have to depend on Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Luke Shaw to play sweeper. Because yeah. they're not always fast enough to get back. And you love the sweeper. I love the sweep position. It's a shame modern football doesn't play with it. Or well, not the traditional one. You could argue that a holding mid, holding mids like the Nemanja Matic and N'Golo Kante plays sweeper, but instead of behind the, the centre-backs, they're in front of the centre-backs. Yeah. Uh, so you miss the days of Nemanja Vidic and Rio Ferdinand? Oh, the, the God-pairing. Um, how can you not miss that? It was the best centre-back combination in Europe for three years. Um, you had Rio Ferdinand that was very fast and, yeah. very, in- and very intelligent yeah. um, football-wise. Um, he had a great football brain. He could read a pass before it was made. Um, yeah. And Vidic is as tough as nails. I even think retired, he'll beat you up in a Ali behind a ball. <laughs> um, yeah, he's from Serbia, man. That's what they do on this in this spare time. No, I love that pairing. I, you you can't not have. Um, and Vidic was dominant in the air. Ferdinand was fast and smart. And you need that in centre backs. You need one centre back to be in football terms smarter than the other one. And can you have one to Ferguson for picking him up? Vidic, I mean, because Rio Ferdinand was a quote-unquote big deal at Leeds United. I, While I say this, I still don't know how you got any player from Leeds United, let alone Rio Ferdinand, considering the rivalry. I think with Nemanja Vidic, he, Ferguson wanted to replicate that in full Jones. It just didn't work out that way. Full Jones. 
Paul Jones has never been a physical centre-back. Um, I think the problem with Paul Jones and Chris Smalling is both of them are too Rio Ferdinand-esque. Obviously, they aren't Rio Ferdinand, but they're not the physical types. Um, you need a brute. You need someone that fights um, to get tackles in. Um, we need we we replaced Yapstam with Nemanja Vidic. We've not been able to replace Nemanja Vidic. We haven't. We don't have a brawler as a centre back. Harry Maguire can brawl, but it's not really in his play. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know how much modern football still makes use of a brawling centre back. Yeah. Because look at the top teams. Virgil van Dijk is a great defender, but he's not a brawler. Um, Antonio uh, Rudiger, good defender, not a brawler. Um, so, yeah, it's not... Modern football doesn't really have brawlers. Italian football still has. Bonucci... For example, Bonucci yeah. is, is still a brawler of a defender. Um, Sergio Ramos is still a brawler. And Chiellini. Bonucci and Chiellini are monsters, both of them. They will kill you and eat your children. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, Italian football is very defensive-minded. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it makes sense. Throwback centre-backs are a dying breed. Game has changed, as you mentioned. Modern yeah, football. but it's the same. It's the same. Like you don't get, you don't get um, Roy Keane or early Man City money days. Nigel De Jong, hard. Yeah. You don't. Modern football doesn't need or doesn't see the need for a Re- uh, for a Roy Keane or Patrick Vieira, um, a Vinnie Jones. You don't need those type of midfielders anymore because football is adapted. You don't you don't have hard men in the middle of the field anymore. For me, modern football is more biased towards work rate rather than hard men in midfield, especially defensive yeah. midfield sections. On the one hand, that's very true, but on the other hand, it's a bit false. Um, 1999 second leg semi-final against Juventus. Roy Keane got a yellow card. He was no longer eligible for the final against Bayern. Yeah. And so Alex Ferguson is still famously quoted for saying that he covered every blade of grass that game. Um, a, a hard man can still be hard work. Roy Keane worked his socks off. And the Juventus game is 21 years later, still testament to covering every blade of grass. Um, but that hard or hard tackling element is people want midfielders so, now that will dispossess and intercept rather than bully. So what do you think about Matic? Does he fit the mold? No, Matic has become... Matic can. And people are going to crucify me for this. I think Matic can become a Michael Carrick-esque defensive yeah. mid. Because since Oli's come in, Matic is playing fast passes. He's playing short, yeah, 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 yeah. very few touches. Yeah. Um, and Carrick did that. And obviously shield the centre-backs. Nemanja Matic... 
is shielding the centre-backs, he's playing quick passes, he's spreading the ball, um, and he spreads the ball quick enough so that Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes can do the, what they need to do. Um, but he's 31. Now, Garrick played yeah. until 36. So I think the only question is, does he have the shelf life of Garrick? That needs to be determined. Um, I feel I feel you guys need to go into the market after Matic because McTominay isn't that kind of player. No, but Scott, Scott McTominay is a box-to-box midfielder. Yeah. So there's a hole in center of midfield. When remember, Matic... remember Fred, Fred does a bloody good job there, actually. The only reason Fred is not in the squad is because Matic is playing better. But look, if you look at the games, the first five months of the season, when Fred was starting every game, Fred was the mid, was a defensive mid, and he covered the most distance every match. He had the most intercept passes. And he covered the most distance in sprinting and jogging on a field. And a full 90 minutes. Um... On the one hand, it's a bit sad because Fred has played actually as an attacking mid for Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, but he works in defensive mid. He does. On the other hand, I would love, absolutely love, if we could adapt Juan Mata into a deeper lying role. Like Paul Scholes when he was close to retirement. Oh, that's going to be tricky. That's going to be tricky because next season, as I look at it, you guys are going to want two slots for Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba in midfield. Yeah, but you play Mata behind them. <laughs> Mata behind them. A three-man midfield. Yes. And let me, and... Let me explain this. Yeah. What, the, what is Paul Scholes most famous for? Long-range efforts. What is he secondly most famous for? Being the worst tackler on oh. the field. Paul Scholes couldn't but, win a ball uh, legally to save fouls. his life. You're saying tactical fouls. No, he kamikaze. He, no, uh, Paul, Scholes, Paul Scholes tackled like a striker. But Paul Scholes, in the last two years, when Ferguson brought him out of retirement, Paul Scholes played deep. He spread the balls. He played balls that wasn't necessary for him to defend. And Juan Mata, Juan Mata has intelligent enough. Yes, Juan Mata has a brilliant eye for a through ball and playing a ball over the top. Play him in a Paul Scholes position. So it's a good thing that you're speaking about this because I think that it's near enough comparative to Jorginho at Chelsea over the last two seasons. Because he can't tackle or love of money. But he can dis- distribute the ball exactly. from inside his own half. Um, yes, a center defensive mid needs to do its job. But if you play center defensive mid and your distribution is great, you actually have less pressure on you in any case because the oppos- op- the opposition team doesn't get the opportunity to get to you. Yeah. 
Um, I think I would love to see Mata there. But Did. it's a combination of whether Oli would play him there and secondly, if Mata wants to play there. But Mata can prolong his career playing that position. Yeah. Do you feel Andrea Polo played that position in the latter stages of his career? Yeah, Alessandro Del Piero's role. Wayne Rooney at DC United dropped into that type of position and at Derby County he's playing that position. Uh, yeah. or one of my great favorite strikers of all time, Francesco Totti, started playing that role in the end oh, of yeah, his yeah. career. Yeah. Um, Gerard started playing more and more there at the end of his career. Um, yeah. Even Lampard started lying a lot deeper than he did in the last season or two. Players with football brains, with great passing, can play in that position. Yeah, that 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 tactic has to be near enough flawless. Because if one matter gets caught, the pressure will be on the defense. Yeah, but you can make that argument for a Kante. As fast as Kante is, if he's caught, the center backs have to do the job they paid to do. You should just not hope for overlap. Basically, what should happen is you need to make sure that your player, your your distribution from there should never be overwhelmed. Yeah. So simply don't lose possession. That is the only position in the field where you should go never lose possession, ever. Now, I am going to make this. I don't think there has been a greater distributor of the ball in the Premier League and in European football other than Paul Scholes. Um, he could literally drop a ball on a penny from a distance. Um, yeah, uh, I remember a story. I remember a training ground story he had with, I think, Gary Neville and Cristiano Ronaldo eating a tree or a... Yeah, the story cone, goes... Something like that. Cristiano Ronaldo was doing, which he's very good at, tricks and flicks and step overs and yeah. the things he's even at 35 still does absolutely brilliantly fan didn't like that in training yeah and paul skulls said but and i think paul skulls is probably about 40 50 yards out and he tells ronaldo but try this paul skulls put out 10 balls and hit the tree every single time 10 shots in a row and Ronaldo, till this day, still says he practiced for hours and couldn't get more than two in a row. Um, Paul Scholes could, can, you can literally take a leaf of toilet paper and put it on any place on the field and Paul Scholes will be able to put the ball on it. Um, now, I'm not expecting Juan Mata to do that, but if Juan Mata can at least just do 70% of it, it's still brilliant because you have someone lying deep that can put a ball over the top that no one expects you're opening my mind to a scary thought in a few years Kevin De Bruyne at 32 might drop into that position and he can definitely spray it around if he plays in that position in the next 4-5 years 
and he's got two good box-to-box midfielders in front of him, and he's still at Man City. I think a lot of teams are going to be fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. It's a very, very, very scary thought to have. If he were to play in a deeper role. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's get away from a scary thought. Uh, so there are second season players such as Harry Maguire could be at Manchester United, such as Fred has shown he is or has been. From my perspective though, first season player from a lower ranked team into a top ranked team is Wan Bissaka because he didn't change since he came to United from Crystal Palace. No. Defensively, though. Defensively. No, defensively, he's a machine. Um, As I said in the last time we spoke, I think Raheem Sterling is still somewhere in his back pocket. He still hasn't climbed out yet. Um, But having watched the Europa League, you can see he's tired. He's knackered. He's knackered because he's basically played every single game. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I don't think let's, if we do make it to the Europa League final, I definitely don't think three weeks of rest is going to be enough for him. Um, well, now that you mentioned it, it's a good thing that Wolves are out because on the other side, you guys have Brandon Williams and people that watch the match against Copenhagen and Quite a few problems with him during the game. Even even Victor Lindelof screamed at him a few times. Yeah, but remember, okay, apart from the fact that he's 18 years old, and secondly, he's not a left back. He's right footed. Yeah, he's a right back. We don't have a left back. We have three right backs. We have Aaron Wan Bissaka. We have Dallo who I think we might sell this season. But let's say we still have him. So at the moment, yeah. we have one left back that's injured. No, we have five right backs. Timothy Fosu Menza is a right back. Brandon Williams is a right back. Dallow is a right back. Juan Basaka is a right back. And we brought on Mengi, uh, also a youth product, that's a right back. Mm. We don't have left backs. Now you what could did you make think the... about the experiment with with Chong. He's a left winger. Um, no, yes, Basaka has proven you can adapt a right winger at a very young age into a right back or a right wing back. But Warren Basaka is strong. See, he's strong hasn't bulked up yeah. yet. And remember, there's still a two-year difference between them in age. Um, I think he was great going forward, which you want from a left wing back. But his defense is questionable. His marking is good, but he can't dispossess. Mm. And he can't intercept. Um, But you need a defender that can do more than just mark. I can mark you the whole day long. If you get a ball, if you can still get a pass out, you've got a pass out. (laughs) 
Um, so that is that is definitely very problematic, and we don't have any left backs coming through. We have another right back coming through, Ethan Laird, um, Irish youth product, brilliant right back, very talented, a lot of potential. Once again, another right back. Um, we don't have a left back outside of Luke Shaw. We don't have any left-footed centre-backs. Um, so we have a problem on the left at the back. I get, and the problem is I when guess, Brandon, Brandon... No, uh, uh, sorry about that. I guess that makes sense why Manchester United would be off the bench role, though. Because uh, the tabloids transfer room is silly season. Chelsea has have been in for Chilwell for a long time. And I noticed a video, I think, noting that Manchester United are in for Chilwell as yeah, well. He's not, he's not worth £80 million, though. <laughs> no, he's definitely not worth £80 million. But that's the problem with England. If it's an English player, they overcharge. Yeah, but on the other hand, million pounds on the price tag already, just being English. Um, do I think Bolt Benchewell is a forty million pound player? I push it. I think he is. He's Premier League proven. He's good at the back. I would rather, and I'm taking a risk here. I would rather take Leighton Baines on a free transfer for a season. Ooh. As a back, Luke Shaw playing the ball. Yeah, season. with Leighton Baines being back up. I would do that. I would definitely do that. Just for a season. Give Leighton Baines another year, you play him as a backup. Ferguson was after Baines for a while, wasn't he? Yes, when Baines was very, very young. And the nice thing is, Leighton Baines gives you another free kick option. And another corner option. Yeah. And if it's a penalty shootout there as well. Because he's got a great <laughs> left foot. And a powerful left foot. I would really consider Leighton Baines on a free transfer. And he could get another yeah. season out of him if you play him 10, 15 games a season. And that would be attractive to your accountant. I mean, uh, football director, Edward yeah. Wood. <laughs> uh, how would you... How do you feel about the evolution of Anthony Martial this season? Oh, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. Because I don't think people understand how hard he actually works. No, Anthony Martial is lazy. Look how many runs he makes. Look how many times he holds the ball up for Rashford, for Greenwood. He's a very hard-working striker. He just works hard differently because he doesn't play like a usual number nine does. Or in Man United, or how... Strikers have played for United. Um, but I think Oli got it out of him because Oli has, and Oli's been outspoken about this. He's told Anthony Martial, you're a striker. You need to get into double digits every season and you need to score ugly goals. If you need to poach, poach. If you need to toe poke it in, toe poke it in. If you need to make an ugly header, do it. And if you have an opportunity and it doesn't look like it's going to be a clean shot shoot, 
You don't always have to have this pe- oh, yeah, yeah, perfect yeah. shots. Mm. Doesn't always have to be perfect. A goal doesn't always have to be pretty. And I think he started taking that to his head now. Because he scored some he has scored one or two they ugly goals, but they goals. Yeah, I remember. Wasn't he Yeah, he's the one that scored the goal against Crystal Palace. I think the second goal we clattered into Van Arnold just to score the goal. Yeah, it's fine. If it's ugly, it's ugly. Score the bloody goal. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's winning goal in the Champions League final 99 was not a pretty goal by any means. It was a, it was a toe poke. It was a toe poke after a massive clusterfuck. Yeah. But it's a goal. It's a goal. Yeah. You don't always have to score pretty goals. Just score yeah. goals. Now, obviously, you can say it's a compliment to Martial that he strives for perfection. But sometimes a goal doesn't have to be perfect. But sometimes you just need a goal. Um, and I think finally, with Rashford on the left and Greenwood on the right, which I don't really like. I don't really like inverted wingers. I find it a bit stupid. Personally, you play a right oh, foot on the right. That Ronaldo was an inverted winger all his career. Well, most no, of it. No, 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 no. He yeah, was an inverted he winger when, the, you, played when on he went to Real Madrid and Man United. He always played on the right. He was always right sided of Man United. Always. Real Madrid, he played on the left. And they oh, played I mean, Gareth Bale on career, the right. Most of his career, Real Madrid is like 10 years, and that is technically... I'm going to go on a technicality here, because yeah, I'm going to win. Much like the roast battle we'll have sometime in the future, I'm going to win. On a technicality, I'll win. So, most of his career, Cristiano Ronaldo was an inverted Winger. Yeah, at Juventus anyway. he's playing on the right. No, at Juventus he's allowed to drift, but he usually comes in from the right. At Juventus, um, but I'm not a fan of inverted wingers in general. I don't like it. I think a winger needs to play. That's why I think David. I think Dan James is worth a lot more on the left wing because it's his natural foot. Is he left? He's left-footed. Daniel James is left-footed. Very much so. Look when he plays on the right. He has to cut back. He can strike with his right, but it's at 70% of the power he can get with his... I remember this one goal against against Southampton. They killed the team from the left using yeah. the right. And I but thought it was, that's his... Yeah, but 18-yard box, though. You wouldn't be able to do that shot from 20 yards out. He doesn't have that strength. And he's weak of foot. He's not a freak of nature like Mason Greenwood that can strike with both feet and the same amount of power. Yeah. I think Solskjaer mentioned that Solskjaer only had a right foot. Greenwood has both. No, Greenwood really does have both. It's. I actually don't know... What's his strongest foot? Because he scored basically the same amount of goals with both feet this season. And the same power. And the same power. And the same accuracy. Uh, uh, So, here's a question for you. 
would you want Greenwood back to being a backup number nine, which would mean less minutes probably next season? Rather than on the right wing where Wolf start if Sancho doesn't sign. Yeah, I don't think Jaden Sancho is happening. I've got a think I've got a feeling we're going to um sign Dembele from Barca. Which I don't want because he's injury prone. Yeah. Um he's a great player, but he's injury prone. Yeah. It's a it's a tightrope. I think Mason Greenwood needs game time so he can develop and get stronger. Mm. Mm. On the other hand, I don't want him to play 46 games a season because Michael Owen's career went downhill because of all the injuries he picked up because he played 46 games a season when yeah. he was 18, 19 years old. Yeah. Um, I definitely liked... What I would like to see is... Him playing quite a few matches in the season, but him being the first one subbed. Oh, After okay. 55, 60, 65 minutes, you take him off. Well, to be fair, that's how I, I've been seeing it over the last few games that Greenwood really finishes a match and he's part of the first few subs that Sosa makes. And the fans have a problem with that because they want Greenwood to have as many minutes as possible. But as you just outlined, too much minutes for a young player may cause that young player to have a short career at the top. Or or at his peak. What, Michael Owen played until he was 34, 35, but for example, he ended up at Stoke City. Um, yeah. So and Manchester United. Hey, you won a Premier League title there, though. <laughs> My wife is still very upset about. Um, yeah. So now, if we get Jaden Sancho, what do you do? Uh, yeah, you can rotate. One plays the first game seventy minutes. The other one comes on next game. Um, and he could definitely for a one season at least be a great super sub because he's already done it for us this season. Yeah. Um, and he can play cup games. Yeah, he can play full cup games. He can be super sub. Um, but that's also very dependent on if we sign a right winger. Is that right winger capable of taking the spot for himself? I think Jaden Sancho would be able to be first choice. It would be a no-brainer to pay hundred million pounds for someone and put them on the bench. Um, if it's someone like Dembele, yeah. mm, you'll have to manage his minutes. Yeah, Dembele would be more of a fifty-fifty. Dembele plays yeah. maybe fifty minutes. You bring on Greenwood, something like that. Um, and then any other options? There aren't really great options for right wing. Um, we were in for Nicolas Pepe, but Arsenal signed him. Um, we were considering Christian Pulisic, but you guys have him. Yep. 
I don't think Liverpool is going to be changing their front for three for at least another season. Um, and on the other hand, do you take the risk and sign Gareth Bale? But uh, Gareth Bale is six hundred million pounds a week. We're gonna have a Alexis yeah. Sanchez problem if he doesn't perform. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this season there's been two players that uh, could like come up from the under 23s do you think brandon williams and mason greenwood are transition players that can easily dip back into the, the reserve side or is mason greenwood mason greenwood more nailed on in no, the first i don't think i don't squad, think mason greenwood no, Mason Greenwood will only play for the reserves again if he's recovering from an injury. I don't think he's ever dropping down there again. Um, so, like what said, chance I, for Williams to drop down? I don't Especially know. Since I you think, mentioned the right-back situation. Yeah. Um, I think Diego Dallo is going to be sold, which I think is sad. Because I actually think he's a great right back going forward. He's got a beautiful cross on him. Um, something Basaka lacks. Yeah. Uh, Dallo can whip in the ball from any point of the field when he's coming in from the right. Um, so he's going to be sold. Um, I don't think Ollie's really ever planning on playing Brandon Williams on the right as a right back. But on the other hand, that's not fair, though. I think he could play left-back because Dennis Irwin was always right-footed. And Dennis Irwin, as much as I love Patrice Ever, I think Dennis Irwin is the greatest left-back we've ever had. And Dennis Irwin was right-footed, and he played left-back his whole career. Um, Timothy Fosu Menza is 23 now. And he's still playing a bit part. I've got a gut feeling we'll probably su- we'll probably sell him in a season or two, which will be sad because he's got, he's got a lot of energy. Um, season. No, you don't really loan out a player at twenty three anymore. We're not Chelsea. We don't do that. Oh yes, I forgot. Um, Manchester United aren't good enough on academy products to have a factory of loans. I forgot about that. No, you guys just don't care enough about your loan players. <laughs> um, don't care about good academy products. Well, by all means, Bakayoko is actually a good player, and you used him how many times? Well, to he's be a fair, good player. Bakayoko is not our academy player. How he's many times? And he's going to Milan. Hudson Adoy is not really a great player, but how many times did you put him out on loan? Eden Hazard's <laughs> younger brother is still at Chelsea. How many times has he been put out loan? Actually, no, I can't correct you. He's not at Chelsea anymore for a couple of seasons. No, not Thorgan Hazard, the youngest, youngest brother. Oh. Killian. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Thorgan Hazard, I think, is at, at Borussia Mönchengladbach, at Borussia. I think. No, he... He's at Bayer Leverkusen. He went to Dortmund. He went to oh, Dortmund. Oh, yeah, season. sorry, sorry. He's at Borussia Dortmund this season. 
Um, you guys have you guys have a great academy. Okay, but on the other hand, you have a great academy because none of the other London clubs can compete financially. Um, well, I can't. I can't complain with the the youth academy practices, even with the UEFA transfer ban. I can thank that for getting Werner and Zeek and possibly Havertz this season. So needs must, I guess. And the thing is, if before Frank Lampard, all your other managers didn't give a crap about youth. No. Nope. Jose Mourinho never used. Um, you guys have had more managers than I use toilet paper in a month, though. <laughs> um, you, in general, have more Chelsea don't. Um, in general, Chelsea don't care about their youth products. In general, you keep on sending them out on loan and loan and loan. Apparently, hoping that they turn out to be football gods because of one season whereas you need to work them into the first team um it's not and at 23 it's not worth it anymore to loan out a player at 23 it's not it doesn't make sense you sell him or you bring him to the first team you start loaning out players here between 19 and 21 maybe 22 Um, but from 23, it's not really worth it. It doesn't make sense to do it. Um, or you loan out a player because you don't want them anymore, like Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you guys got manhandled on Sanchez. Inter Milan said they're not going to pay any transfer fee to get Sanchez. Do you know what? I'm still happy because it's freed up 36 million pounds because that would have been his wages for the next two years. It's 36 million pounds in wages. Were yes. you behind the transfer? Did you want the transfer to happen? I wanted it to happen. Firstly, I think as much as I dislike certain players, I don't ever want a player to have a bad career. I am very happy Alexis Sanchez has found his form at Inter Milan. And because I follow Serie A as a Roma fan, I think yeah, yeah, Alexis, yeah. Alexis Sanchez has done really well at Inter. After he's, he's come back from injury and he's played well. Um, I think it's the boost his career needs again. So from that point of view, I'm glad to see he's the football player he should be. Obviously, he's a bit older than he was when he was at Barcelona and an Arsenal, but he's a good, talented, hard-working player. He is a bit of a bulldog um, for an attacking man. So I'm glad to see he's doing well at Inter Milan. I'm glad to see he's Antonio Conte is using him correctly. From Manchester United point of view, he flopped. And that's fine. You get players you sign for one rand and they flop, and you get players you sign for 100 million rand and they flop. Players will flop. Um, but we paid him ridiculous wages. And I'm glad those wages are off our bill. Because remember, Alexis Sanchez was paid. This is not before royalties. He was His, his pay package was, I think, £436,000 a week. 
that went up to half a million based on appearances, goals scored, assists. Obviously, he didn't do a lot of that. Um, so you're talking about £436,000. That's 8 million rand a week for someone that sits on the bench. Now, how do you justify to someone like Paul Pogba, who plays first-team football, that he's earning less than someone on the bench? It, cro- it causes shit in the dressing room. Yeah. The argument should be your most expensive players should be playing every week. Yeah. There's a reason why, if you want to take attacking midpoint of view, Bruno Fernandes is being paid more a week than Juan Mata. Why? Because he plays he's more. playing more. Exactly. It would be different if you paid Juan Mata all that you played, you paid Fernandez all that money, but you kept on playing either Juan Mata or Andreas Pereira. Yeah. But your attacking midfielder with the highest wages is sitting on the bench. Yeah. Then your whole team goes, but this doesn't make sense. And then the problem is, well, then, contract, unless you're and, Arsenal, that happens every week. Yeah, I feel bad for Arsenal and I feel bad for Mesut Ozil. I think Mesut Ozil... I think Mesut Ozil's the type of player he needs the right manager. I don't think... I don't think Unai Emery managed him well at all. I think Arsene Finger managed him well. But I don't think Unai Emery got him right. Let's hope and see Mikel Arteta can get the best out of him again. Because under Arsene Wenger, Mesut Ozil played good football. He really did play good football. Obviously not Real Madrid football, but that's because Arsenal can't play Real Madrid football. I just feel Mesut Ozil is one of the players that is now lost to football. Since, as we mentioned earlier, football is changing. Managers would rather have a number 10 that works hard off the ball than a number 10 that can create loads of chances. And then you have Manchester City that have a happy hybrid in Kevin De Bruyne. I think Mesut Ozil, once again, is the type of player that will do well in Italy. Yeah. I think a Mesut Ozil going to an AC Milan... Okay, he can't go to Inter Milan because Inter Milan are buying all the Premier League players. Uh, <laughs> I think a Mesut Ozil at... Mesut Ozil would be brilliant at Atalanta. He would be absolutely oh, yeah. amazing at Atalanta. Atalanta would be a much more of a machine with him. Um, I think Mesut Ozil would do well in La Liga with a team like Villarreal. Um, Perhaps go back to Germany. Then again, politics is not very well liked in Germany. So, yeah. You could make the argument you could go to Turkey. But I think it'd be a waste of talent. You yeah, go to Turkey, you go you go to Turkey when you're at the end of your career. He's only yeah. 31. He's not at the end of his career yet. I think it'd be a waste. Really be a waste for him to go to Turkey. I think he would thrive in Spain. Or no, he would thrive in Italy. Mesut Ozil playing for Atalanta or Lazio or Napoli would be great. Okay, AS Roma, I've got new owners with very deep pockets. Finally, my team has money. My other <laughs> yeah, and he uses that good money to get Pedro. Well done. 
Oh, well, better is was more of a free transfer than actually spending money. <laughs> but still, no, the wages. But... Yeah, but I think it's a good wage cut as well. Um, now, for example, if you look, Alison Becker, we lost to Liverpool. Mohamed Salah, we lost to Liverpool. Well, I'm talking obviously from AS Roma point of view. Rudiger, yeah. we lost to Chelsea because we couldn't hold on to them because we didn't have the finances to offer it to them. So that's the one thing. And, AS Roma, AS Roma by all Emerson. means, is that. From not wrong. No, not Emerson. Not from Roma. Nope. He's not from Roma. Alison Becker was all. Alison Becker was our number one goalkeeper. We sold him to Liverpool. Mohamed Salah was at AS Roma because Chelsea didn't want him. We sold him to Liverpool. And Antonio Rudiger was at AS Roma and we lost him to Chelsea. But it goes back as well. We had um, a great striker, Mirkin, Mirko Vucinic, many years ago. Sold him yeah, to yeah. Juventus. Juventus. Um, Mid-2000s, we had a great France international defender, Felipe Mexes. Sold him to AC Milan. Yeah. Um, I miss the Liverpool of old that used to buy our crap players. <laughs> like what Alberto like Aquilani. Alberto Aquilani. Aquilani, yes. <laughs> and what was that goalkeeper of ours? It was our second-choice goalkeeper. who was injury-prone. And then Liverpool uh, signed him. I was so glad. <laughs> uh, the name is not coming to me now. But he was terrible. Um, Doni, Alexander Doni. Alexander. Oh, yeah, yeah. The goalkeeper that barely ever played for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, but even we, for example, what, even 10 years ago, of. Yeah, about we had um, Handanovic, who's now Inter's first choice goalkeeper. We lost yeah. him to Inter because we couldn't keep him. Yeah. Um, Nangalan, the Belgian international, went to Inter because we couldn't offer him better wages anymore. Um, yeah. So I'm glad AS Roma actually has deep pockets now because we can actually now keep players. Or hopefully. Mm. And I think we need to actually sign. And there are a couple of players. No, oh, we've got some really good players coming through. Um, Saniolo is one of them. Or that I've seen. Saniolo is a machine. I don't want to lose him. I really don't want to lose him. Um, he's a machine in midfield. He's fast. He's young. He's got a good brain. He's a very good box-to-box midfielder. He understands... He's got a, and he's got a football brain. He can read a pass. Um, he can play a pass one step ahead. Um, and obviously, Clavert. Yeah, what's happening with Justin Clavert? Is he actually proving that he's worth a transfer from Ajax? Um, he was I haven't seen a lot season. of him. Nah, he was injured mid-season. So he's making. He's actually now just coming back. So he's being. Still coddled a bit, which I think is fine. Um, like I said, Zaniolo is doing very, very well. Um, 
and then our defenders are looking good. I think I honestly want us to sign Chris Smalling. Like I said, I'm not up to set Manchester United playing against a, Manchester United playing a, play against AS Roma. I'm good with that. One of my teams to other. <laughs> um, we need to sign Mkhitaryan from Arsenal. Yeah. He hasn't gotten a lot of assists, but he's been very, very good. He's, he's played attacking midfield, but he's run the midfield, which is weird. Mm. You actually have, you have sort of a Paul Scholes effect like play, but playing behind the strikers. It's actually mm. it's nice to see. Um, because the strikers and the wingers get quick releases. And uh, I feel uh, Paulo Lopez was underrated last season. No, he was. He but... mm, no, he's playing very, very well as well. I mean, I'm enjoying his football. Um, and I think Eden Zeko has really experienced the revival at AS Roma. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing... Remember, he's now at the moment, I think he's our fourth top scorer. In something like four four years, and he's already in the top four goal scorers of all time for Roma. And um, he's he is the vice captain, right? Or captain? No, he's captain. No, he's, he's captain. captain. Okay. But so hopefully the, for him. yeah, hopefully the new owners do one thing that I want. They need to bring Francesco Totti back as director of football because the previous owner was a complete dick noodle mm. um, and Francesco Totti said he's leaving it's not the club he grew up with it's not the club he played until he was 40 um, so hopefully the new owners bring him back because it's our, it's our top goal scorer most appearances he's, he's yeah. the Roma version of gigs and skulls um and then hopefully Daniele De Rossi is done with his little Argentinian experiment and comes back home as well. So just to round it all off, uh, for Roma, who has been the better player in the in defense on the basis guess, of the season? Uh, Chris Smalling. I think Chris Walling's been the has been a brilliant centre back. I think he's he's found form, and because he's used to the fast pace of the Barclays Premier League, he's doing well at Serie. It's like yeah, it's a notch or two down in speed. Yeah, not in quality because you're playing against Romelu Lukaku and Cristiano Ronaldo yeah, yeah, and Paolo yeah. Dybala and 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 yeah. and and Dries Mertens. You're playing against some classy bloody players. Yeah. But you've got a step or two advantage when it comes to reading a pass or intercepting yeah. a ball. Um, and he's been good. He scored quite a few goals with his head, which is always nice bonus for a centre-back. He's made some really important challenges, and he's made quite literally goal-line clearances more than once. Okay. And then... Uh, uh, are you done? Yeah. Or you're still analyzing this morning. Uh, okay, so in midfield. I don't want to get on that train too much, but I do think Zaniolo has been very, very good. 
Um, but I think Perez is not being far behind. Because both offer goals, both have scored some really good goals, both have been doing well box to box. Their defending is not actually too bad. Um, so Zaniolo and then Perez. But it's it's a thumbnail thickness between the two of them. Uh, and it's a bit pointless asking strikers because Eden Zeko like passes the box and everything. Although that's to my perspective. Am no, I he not? plays. He's he's definitely got an he's he's definitely got a very good purple patch the past couple of years playing because when I when he left Manchester City, I think everyone thought he was done. Um, yeah, yeah. Everyone thought everyone thought he was sort of when, for example, when Fernando Torres left left Chelsea for Atletico Madrid, everyone thought he was done, yeah. and he found form again because he actually played very well at Atletico Madrid and he's second session back there and I think it's the same for Eden Zeko um, he's not the fastest striker he's a sort of a Berbatov striker he's not going to sprint down the line yeah he's going to he's going to cruise around in front of the back line and cause problems it's the type of striker that the ball needs to get to him and then he'll do something good with it um, so I'm, and obviously, once again, I'm happy to see a play. And obviously, I hated Eden Zeko when he was at Manchester City because he's playing for the noisy neighbors. Um, but when he left Man City, everyone thought he was done. And like I said, a player leaving at 29 City and people have written you off is always a bit sad. Um, yeah. and he went to AS Roma and he did well. Same with Alexander Kolarov. I think everyone thought Kolarov was yeah. done. Um, he's still banging in free kicks for Roma. He's actually doing a good job on the left side um, of defense. So, no, I'm glad. To, I'm happy to see. I'm happy to see players like that. Not only play well for Roma, but prove people wrong. Football reporters and journalists are going, no, nah, but his career is now over. And... Uh. Okay, to switch it full circle, Manchester United, David Ayer or Dean Henderson this season? Hmm. If David Ayer can get his head right in three weeks, David Ayer. Okay. If he can't, um, if he, if he can't get over his psychological block, Dean Henderson. Okay, then. So, and in defense, uh, one of the new arrivals or an old god, shall we put it? I'm happy with left back, but we need a backup. Yeah. As happy as I am with Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire next to one another, and Eric Bailly has played some really good games the past couple of weeks. Um, Marcus Rojo needs to be sold. I think Full Jones will be at the club until he dies. <laughs> um, Axel Twanzebi is good, but his injuries aren't helping. 
I think we need to sign... Okay, first we need to sell Chris Morling, but he's going to Ace Roma, so I'm fine with that. We need to sell Marcus Rojo, and he said he wants to go back to his hometown club in Argentina because he's actually been playing well there. Um, Paul Jones, I would like to see sold, but he has this talent of always getting injured during transfer windows uh, <laughs> because then he knows he won't pass a medical. So I find that a bit <laughs> sketchy. Um, Axel Tuansebi has next season, he needs to prove whether he deserves to be there or not. Yeah. Um, I don't want Eric Bayer to be sold, mm. but he might be on the list. But we need a left-footed centre-back. And we need a fast left-footed centre-back. Okay. So, and going to midfield, uh, play of the season in midfield. Is it Bruno Fernandes for his six-month stint? (laughs) On the one hand, I really want to say yes. But on the other hand, I'm actually going to say the money on Montage. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Just because over the over the length of a season. Okay. I understand that. I understand that. And then finally, in attack, uh, Martial, Rashford, well, you count Greenwood. Yeah, you can count Greenwood. Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford are performing where we expect them to perform. But I think Mason Greenwood needs to deserve, get the praise he deserves. Yeah. He's coming coming to his first team squad full-time for only six months, and he scored 17 goals in all competitions. He's only five behind Rashford. That's had a full season. Okay, Rashford was injured for a while, but still. And he's only six goals behind Martial. So I think it's a bit fair to say I think Mason Greenwood definitely not because he's the he's the new guy in the block, not because he's the next. I don't know George Best, Robin Van Persie. I don't know. I think it's purely based. <laughs> I think it's purely based on the fact that he's made a great impact. And he's handled the pressure well. And I think that does deserve to be noticed. I think it would be a great insult to him if we didn't go well done. Yeah. And just like that, the long first episode of Connection is done. Thanks, Mikhail. It's a pleasure. And everybody watching, still watching, still listening. Up over to YouTube, because this man and myself and a few other folks won a stream in the week, and I laid down a challenge. 200 views on that video within the next seven days. So by Wednesday, I want to see 200. Links will be down below. And thank you for watching, because without you, is no storm.